0: we are the plan
1: if you're waiting for others to do the work for you you're gonna be waiting a long time
2: we are conservative daily
1: welcome back to another episode of conservative daily Podcast. i am your host joe Altman. we have a special guest today someone that has spent the last i don't know well 40 years working in politics, but the last five years or so, or maybe a little more, almost six now, being persecuted by the government, this radical left environment. Um, and what's, what's strange about that is that, you know, he still stays in the fight. And even despite the, the fact that he's been pardoned by President Trump, and um, is still subject to persecution and lawsuits and lawfare, he stays in the fight. I want to welcome Roger Stone to the show. Roger, welcome to the show.
3: Joe, it is a, it is a great honor to be with you. Um, you know, your show follows mine at uh, frankspeech.com. I, I love what you guys are doing here. I mean, first of all, your guest lineup is terrific. I learn everything, every time. something I didn't know every time I see your show, every time. Uh, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be here. I'm honored to be here. Uh, and uh, look, I'm these days I'm honored to be any place. Uh, if the deep state had their way, I'd, be <laughs> I'd probably already be dead because they wanted to send me to a dank Georgia prison where the prosecution insisted there were no cases of COVID-19 when in fact there were over 200 cases and I was uh, at that time 68 years old uh, with a lifetime history of asthma. I don't know that I would have ever made it. But through the grace of God, uh, here I am, uh, and I am proud to be right here on the ramparts, shoulder to shoulder with you and so many other patriots, because the fight for America is on right now. We're not giving up. We're not retreating. We're not throwing in the towel. Yeah, we. Have, there are dark days. There are days where you say, how is this all going to come out? Uh, but uh, one of the things, What are the benefits of the two-and-a-half-year odyssey of having the full weight and force uh, of the federal government aligned with their allies in the fake news media who will swear to any lie that they put out there is that while I may be materially much poorer, I mean, we lost our house and my car and our savings and our insurance, spiritually, I am much, much richer. Uh, I had an interview yesterday with a guy from, of all places, the National Enquirer. Uh, He had read someplace that I had claimed correctly that I'm redeemed in the blood of the cross, that I had a religious conversion. I went back to the church. I had been baptized as a Catholic. Uh, Then when I hit Washington, I was a very, very successful lobbyist uh, power broker. You know, I lived a wild, libertine lifestyle. I was a sinner. Uh, i make no bones about it i was a very badly broken person uh but i'm not that person anymore and anybody can be saved all you have to do is confess your sins and then live differently live in his way and this reporter kept saying come on you're bsing me right this is all this is all an act this is all a this is all a head fake. you're just this is a dirty trip you're just just thinking, uh, you're just seeking uh, sympathy. No, absolutely <coughs> not I'm a different person. And here's the proof of it. And you know this, Joe, my wife was diagnosed with aggressive stage four cancer, right after I was part. That's PTSD. That that's triggered by the stress of being hounded by the federal government for two years. Today, she is cancer free. That's because we have both turned our lives over to Christ. That's because we, we have changed our lives and we're living a different way. Uh, and the and the Lord will reward you. He will protect you if you walk in his way.
1: Well, I I did have a, another guest that I wanted that uh, wanted to meet you too who you've probably have heard of before that I was going to bring in to be able to ask you some questions. I have read nearly everything that you've written i have followed you to the end i have watched almost every one of your podcasts (laughs) um i've seen the fight that you've been on um but you know tig is actually one of my closest friends and his name's john tig teigen you you probably know him from 13 hours he was one of the americans on top of the the building that was protecting the americans in benghazi when hillary clinton said what difference does it make uh, for the sacrifice that he made. But um, I want to bring him in so you can meet him. Um, uh, welcome, Tig, to the show.
3: Hey, guys. How you all doing? Good. Well, Tig, guess what? We're going to have an opportunity to have a drink together.
1: Uh, nice. <laughs> nobody told me to party. No, <laughs> no.
3: Have... <laughs> so I have a tradition. As soon as the Stone Zone is over, which is from 5 to 6 Eastern, then and only then can one of my people hand me a, an ice-cold, very dry martini, and kind of like Nixon. I can only handle one. I can't handle two.
4: Is so it dirty? Yeah.
3: No, no. Actually, I, I, I minor. I don't even have vermouth in there. It's a straight vodka, but it must be ice cold. As Nixon used to say, "If there are not little shards of ice on the surface, well, it means that you have effed it up." So
2: <laughs> not cold enough,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Roger. I- I have to ask you some questions. I know Tig had some sure. questions for you too. And I was like, well, just come on. Roger would love to talk to you. I mean, this is, I mean, but uh,
3: I. Oh, Tig, okay. you're, you're, you're an American hero. So I, I, I salute you for your service. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I am, I'm honored to be on with you. Uh, and fire away. There are no questions uh, that are off the table.
1: You want to ask first, Tig, or you want me to ask no, first?
2: No, go ahead, Joe.
1: So I, President Trump is running for office in 2024. Unfortunately, we saw what happened to um, the Oath Keeper, the head, excuse me, the, the leader of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, who was convicted of seditious conspiracy, even though he didn't show up at the Capitol and it doesn't fit. The glove just doesn't fit. Um how do you think that is going to play a part just from a strategic standpoint and what they're going to try and do to stop president Trump in the future?
3: Well, first of all, I don't, uh, despite the fact that, uh, certain media outlets and otherwise, I don't know Stuart Rhodes. Yeah. I never have a to meet him, talk to him, communicate with him. I only knew of him. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, there's a testimony before the January 6th committee televised, uh, uh to the entire nation that is just, uh, Perjury. It's perjurious. It's completely and totally Thank untrue. You. They just to make stuff up. Uh, the problem here lies in the District of Columbia. Uh, in, in the District of Columbia, you have a highly politicized uh, judiciary system, and they could convict a ham sandwich. I mean, start yeah. to think about for a moment. I was charged with lying to, to Congress under oath about the Russian collusion. Wait a minute. How do you lie about something that didn't happen? Yeah, of course, the, the newspaper headlines would tell you stone was the conduit between the Russian intelligence and the Trump campaign, except for the government produced no such evidence to prove that because it's not true. They couldn't find any evidence. So what happens is they go to a judge, uh, multiple judges, and they say, Your Honor, we have evidence against Stone to charge him with treason seditious conspiracy, conspiracy against the United States, counterfeiting, money laundering, millions of dollars, mail fraud, wire fraud, uh, accessory to a, a felony, a before and after the fact. The judge said, sure, you can have his email, his phone messages, his text messages. There's over a million emails, by the way. I never erase anything, a million. You know the reason I don't erase anything? I haven't done anything wrong, nothing I'm ashamed of. They root through all of that material. You know what they find, Joe? They find nothing. That's what they (laughs) find. So then they have to invent crime against you. Well, you lied, uh, for example. On August 9th, did you get a text message from Steve Bannon? I don't remember. Ah, you did. You see, you got a message from him. Yeah, it was a link to the front page of that morning's Washington Post. So what? What did that prove? Immaterial. You lied. Well, over a matter of record was that rich. It was, it was, it was the real. Point. I wasn't prosecuted because I did anything wrong. I wasn't prosecuted because I was uh, involved with the Russians. I didn't have any backdoor link to WikiLeaks. I was prosecuted to squeeze me into testifying against Donald Trump. Trump. Yep. They,
2: they,
3: showed, they showed me a list of, of 26 uh, cell phone calls between me and the president in 2016. And they all they do is have a record of the call and the length of the call. They don't have a record of the contents of the call. And they say, all you've got to do to get off the hook is testify that these calls were about coordinating with the Russians and with what humans. And I would already taken three polygraph tests from the people who conduct polygraphs for the Florida State Police And passed all of them because it wasn't true but they would have disregarded all of that had i been willing to testify falsely against trump which i was unwilling to do that's what my case was all about
1: so so they put you through hell i mean you lost everything i mean you didn't lose everything you got to keep your beautiful wife you got to keep your dignity intact you got to make sure that you chose what what i I say choose the right Choose what's right. You followed a path that was dignified. You took the persecution. You took the punches on the chin. Came out the other side. You, only to find out that the Russian collusion now was verified that it, it wasn't even a real thing. That they made it up. Yeah. I mean, I am a very forgiving person. And I know the things that I'm going through and have gone through. But I, I just, I want to be angry for you.
3: Well, look. This is the hardest single thing uh, about uh, being a Christian. It's also the hardest thing about being a Christian who's half Sicilian. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs>
2: well, it's,
3: hard, it's hard to leave the idea of revenge behind. I I could give you a list of people um, who I would, in the old days, I would like revenge against. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews ten, the vengeance uh, is reserved for the Lord, and there is nothing tougher or worse than a vengeful lord. So in my view, the bad guys will get theirs in the end, I don't need to worry about it. In fact, harboring that bitterness, harboring that resentment, uh, that does nothing but hurt me that 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 doesn't hurt those who've done me wrong. So uh, it's been very, very hard to forgive those who have trespassed against me. But I've managed to do that. Uh, And then frankly, uh, in addition to being in a better place spiritually, I've made so many other great friends, people like you, Joe, people like General Michael Flynn, who we and I have this shared experience. So many other people uh, in the freedom movement who I never would have gotten to meet. So um, overall, has it been painful? Yes. Has it been stressful? Yes. Has the financial strain, particularly been difficult? Yes.
1: Uh, but uh, I'm still standing, as they say. <sighs> um, you know, uh, you well, go ahead, Tig.
2: No, I it's just—it's just crazy. I mean, thinking how the government can do what they what they did, you lose everything, and how they are not responsible again for reimbursing to me, reimbursing you for everything that you went through, everything you lost. Through a fake investigation, I made up a fraud from the government. It's just it's well, just mind boggling.
3: And you noticed the other day when uh, Sam Bankman Freed was arrested. Where were the CNN cameras? I mean, there were CNN cameras twenty five feet from my front door when I was busted. Yeah. Where were the CNN cameras uh, for his arrest? They weren't there. The, uh, the FBI not only turned my house upside down. They, were, they spent 13 hours searching my home, uh, and they just left it a shambles. Uh, they also did the same uh, thing at my office in Oakland Park, Florida, uh, and in an apartment that I then had in New York City, which I no longer have because I could no longer afford They took uh, uh, my mainframe computer from my office. I was working. I was in the fifth year of a book on the murder of john f kennedy jr yes Mm -hmm. i said the murder of john f kennedy jr i had five uh file cabinets worth of research firsthand interviews that i had conducted i was on the verge of publishing that book by taking the computer in which it was stored in the hard drive which was completely destroyed uh, and by taking all my research files and the manuscript there's no way to reconstruct that book now. I'm not. I'm not here to debate. You know, the John F. Kennedy Jr. story. I think I was on the cusp of making a very compelling case that he was murdered. Uh, none of that stuff is recoverable when the government ships you back their your computer, which they send it back to you after two years. Yeah, somebody took a sledgehammer to it. It's completely oh, nice. destroyed drive is destroyed i said to my lawyer do i have any recourse here no you have no recourse well, where are my files what files the files you took what files we don't know about any files so those are those files particularly are gone forever that's five years work uh, out the window uh and of course uh, i still can't find things they turn the place upside down i'm still you know i'm still refiling and reorganizing and it's It's almost four years later. Uh, And the irony of this, of course, is if they were going to charge me in a white collar crime with no priors, all they had to do was contact my lawyer and I would have turned myself in. Very simple. They talked to my lawyer the day before I was arrested because we turned over 90 pages of text messages from one of the witnesses that proved that I was innocent, which, of course, they were completely uninterested in. But they could have said to my lawyer that day, oh, by the way, we have an indictment, uh, a sealed indictment against your client. Uh, bring him to the, you know, to the courthouse or to whatever location tomorrow or to turn himself in uh, and be arraigned. But they didn't do that. They wanted to put on a spectacle. Twenty nine BI agents arrived in 17 armored vehicles, all of them brandishing. You guys can appreciate this fully automatic m4 assault weapons to take out a 68 year old who's completely unarmed because, <laughs> I have grand- because i have grandchildren i don't didn't have a gun in the house even though i'm a strong supporter of the second amendment uh, no passport my passport had expired so the chances of my fleeing were non-existent <laughs> thanks to cnn i'm uh, fairly recognizable uh, i don't think i could have gotten very far And I lived on a canal, so they they pulled these two amphibious units, these two boats up. Frogmen jump out on the dock uh, like I was going (laughs) to swim. Wow,
1: (laughs) 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 Roger, you're in pretty good shape. I mean, I've seen you're in pretty good shape, but I don't know if you're going to be diving in the water and taking off down the canal.
3: And that whole whole exercise cost the taxpayers $1.1 million because the government was on lockdown at the time. So all those agents we're getting time and a half uh, for, and, as overtime. And what was really interesting was, um, as I was there, and my wife particularly noted this because she was made to sit in the corner for the next 13 hours, and not allowed to touch her cell phone, if she had to go to the bathroom that a female agent uh, would accompany her uh, is the looks you got from the Miami based agents who would wink at you or roll their eyes. Uh, they knew it was BS. The two agents from DC who were running the operation, one of whom is currently under investigation for falsifying evidence in one of the other uh, other related cases, That's they not. were running. But the but the Miami agents, Miami based agents, they knew it was BS, and they they would tell you in little ways. Very interesting.
1: This episode of Conservative Daily is brought to you by DCF Guns, they're not just a supporter and a partner of the show, they're an organization that is on the front line of promoting safe and responsible gun ownership. Along with being a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, they have a lot of different things inside of their three ranges and stores. So they have a gunsmith at every location, they have the ability to do massive amounts of training, uh, anything from beginners all the way up to uh, competitive shooting. um, but you can go there and save an additional 5% off every single thing on the site. Um, as always, we'll keep the range hot and the deals hotter only at DCF Guns in Castle Rock and Colorado Springs, and now online, available to everyone across the entire country. <laughs> I, I'm Number one, I wish I had a drink right now with you. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Bring that man a drink. But, but, <laughs> but, but Roger, why are they... And this is a question that I, I go through my head a lot. Why are they so afraid of Donald J Trump? Why are they so afraid yeah. of him? I mean, if he if he's uh, if if they think he's that dumb, if they think he's oh, he's a dummy, he's did something wrong. He's, I mean, Biden, to speaking Bidenese all over the world. <laughs> <he> can't <laughs> understand a word that he's saying. Why are they so afraid of Donald J Trump?
3: Uh, it's because uh he's uncontrollable. Because he—I mean, I've known him 43 years—and uh, he is his own man. In other words, it's not like every other political figure. I've worked for four, four American presidents. Here's how it used to work: Here's your talking points, Mister President or Mister Candidate. Just stick to these. That does not work with Donald J. Trump. He—he uh, he can't be bullied. He can't be bossed. He can't be pressured. He can't be bought. Uh, he is very, very much his own man. My man, uh, and that, and that <laughs> drives that drives them completely insane. Now, look, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, uh, but he will always put always put the American person, the American people first. In other words, the guy is a billionaire, but he has never lost his middle-class queen's values. He thinks like a working guy. He thinks like an average person, and he has has great empathy for regular people. So if you gave Donald Trump a choice, do you want to have dinner with 10 Fortune 500 CEOs, or would you rather have dinner with a plumber, an electrician, a tile man, uh, and a stonemason? I know what he would pick. He would pick the latter, and he'd have a great time. Uh, he has he has the common touch he can talk you know to regular people right? and he prefers the common uh, the, the, the the company of regular people now at the same time uh, he does think that if you have money you must be smart but only if you made the money yourself if you inherited the money well then he thinks you're dumb but if you made <laughs> yourself, if you're self-made. He, uh, he has a certain respect for you. Uh, that's always been true.
1: You know, it's funny you said that, Tig. Who would I rather have dinner with? Yeah, Antifa. Oh yeah, but Antifa. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> yeah, see, you always got one. You always got one in the crowd. All right, they get the Democrat. Yeah, yeah, be short <laughs> it'd be a very short dinner um you know it's 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 interesting because um i grew up i didn't grow up middle class i grew up poor very poor and um i grew up in a family where you know my dad's black my mom's white my whole family's interracial i got to feel racism in a way that i think most people you know they, they can't see it from both sides i got to see it from both sides and and it, it, uh, there's a perspective of, of what's happening with the radical left that I think we have to pay attention to, that it doesn't represent the poor and it doesn't represent the rich. It represents this, this I wouldn't even call it a political elite. It's almost as, like a fraternity. And I always saw President Trump just come in and be like, you know, move, who moved my cheese? You know, the who moved my cheese book? Yeah, he, he would literally just move the cheese, <laughs> expose all the, these rats would come out of nowhere.
3: Uh, here's what I don't think he understood when he got there. Uh, because he, you know, he didn't come from the world of politics. He had contributed as a businessman. He had contributed to both Republicans and Democrats. He had decent relationships with both Republicans and Democrats. I recall when I went to his marriage, I was a guest at the wedding between uh, Melania Trump uh, and Donald Trump. My wife and I were guests. Sitting in our pew in the church was Chris Matthews. Today, Chris Matthews wouldn't give Donald Trump the time of day, right? Probably, probably, and vice versa. Uh, so, I think that he thought, as has always been the case in our history, after we had a presidential election, the losers, being good Americans, supported the winners. That uh, we united around the new leader. We didn't like it necessarily, but um, you know, our attitude was, let's win the next election. Um, he ne- never dreamed on him that half of the people wearing Republican jerseys were not really on his team. He thought there were two parties, uh, and like in the day of Reagan, the Republicans would coalesce around him as the leader, the Democrats were on the other side, we would fight it out. He never understood that from the instant he was elected, the two-party duopoly, the elites who dominate both party organizations and both party structures were plotting to remove him from the beginning, from day one. Uh, and he never really understood that. And I think he understands it now. I think uh, if there is a second Trump presidency, and I believe there will be, uh, it's going to be very, very different than the first. I think he's learned some very hard lessons about who can be trusted and who can not be trusted.
2: Well, think how
3: but- different... It would have been if he had fired James Comey on day one.
1: It would have been a lot different. different. A a lot lot different. different. Yeah. I, I have to ask you this question. You got reinstated on Twitter.
3: Yeah, it's a miracle. Uh, there's miracle number five in my <laughs> life. All, all, I did, all I did was uh, was go online uh, and fill out the appropriate forms and, and email them in and argue that I was not in violation of their current policies and boom! I was reinstated. Uh, it was a it was a, a surprise to me. I didn't lobby anybody. I didn't call anybody. I uh, you know I, I was uh, gratified. I'm very uh, I'm very grateful to Elon Musk. Uh, other people may criticize him if they like, but as far as I'm concerned, the guy has proved to be exactly what he said he was. Uh, there's nothing uh, nothing wrong in my Twitter feed. but... I confess, I hurt Jake Tapper's feelings. That's why they And I have to admit, I go back and I look at some of my old tweets that have now been restored and sometimes I say, wow, that was really stupid. Why did you say that? And other times I look at them and say, wow, you were right on the money about that. You turned out to be right. Now, some dork at the Daily Beast will go right Stone's worried about his past. No, believe me. When you've been through what I've been through, you're not worried about anything. Uh, but I recognize that, uh, uh, you know, with it comes a different responsibility. I'm using it a little differently than I did before. So now I don't bicker uh, with uh, uh, with the comment. If people call me a Russian traitor, it's simple. Block. If people yeah. tell me I'm a POS, block. I'm not going to argue with them. It's an absurd. Anybody who says I'm a Russian traitor clearly didn't follow my trial and doesn't know what I went through. Doesn't even know what the charges against me were or what the government's evidence prevents against me said. Uh, But I'm not going to get down the gutter with those people. Uh, I'm 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 grateful to have it back. It has, I must add, boosted uh, the uh, viewership of my show very, very dramatically. Uh, which uh, states the uh, and I'm not ungrateful, but it states the limitations of all these other platforms where Joe or you and I are seen, I mean, they're great. Uh, but uh, until I got back on Twitter, viewership, you know, has just gone into the stratosphere. And I'm very grateful for that.
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm not from this world. I and mean, I was just a business guy. I mean, I ran a I was a tech CEO for a decade. I'm a Two-time Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year uh, um, guy, and I was a finalist in 2020. They said you'll win if you just shut your mouth. I always served others, so getting involved in politics and doing podcasts and being public—I'm I'm kind of an introvert, not an extrovert. So I've had to learn this kind Such of world. A lie. No, I really am. You know, <laughs> I am. I'm like, look, we got to go sit over here. You get away from these people. But uh, it's always one guy. Always one guy in the back of the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but Roger, it, it it's been a it's been an adjustment because you know now you you know you talk about blocking people and just say hit the block button. Sometimes I want to do that, and sometimes I want to just reach through the screen and just. I haven't gotten through all of the frustrations that I have yet to get to that place where I can just say block. And ninety percent of the time, I can. But that ten percent, I just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a painful. If and I keep asking myself, if I could go back, would I done done the same thing? Would I have stood out there and talked about what I learned on that call with Kumar? Would I have then dug into the computers? Would I have gotten myself involved in this? And I—I I, I question whether or not I would have, knowing what I know now. What would you have done if you had to do it all over?
3: Uh. Probably the same thing, because uh, as the famous T-shirt says, uh, I did nothing wrong. Look, what I did was really simple. I set a Google News alert for WikiLeaks, and I set a Google News alert for Julian Assange. And I took things that were in the public domain, and I reposted them on my Twitter feed. It's that simple. That's That's not insider information. That's not some pipeline to... Julian Assange or to WikiLeaks, I, I had some a couple of direct messages with them on Twitter, which they basically told me to buzz off. Uh, I did have one guy, uh, a guy named Randy Credico, uh, who knew an attorney who worked uh, for uh, WikiLeaks, who told me that there was going to be a data dump in October and it would be devastating to Hillary. We lied about that under oath to trial The woman lied, uh, author lied about it uh, under at trial. I have text messages that prove that they were lying. Prosecutors were not interested, and by the way, my own lawyers didn't want to bring them up. So I spent three and a half million dollars on a legal defense. I had to raise every single penny of it because I ran out of money early. My lawyers took a dive. They offered no defense of me whatsoever. I had over I had over eight hundred pieces of evidence, either emails text messages, audio files, or videos uh, with which I could have, uh, 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 you know, defended against the government's case. My own lawyers refused to enter them uh, into uh, evidence. It will all be in my upcoming book. I will name names. I don't know whether it was fear, uh, whether they were intimidated, uh, whether they're worried about who their next client would be. It's unclear why. but. In retrospect, I should have represented myself. I'm not a lawyer, but I could have done a hell of a lot better than they did.
0: And before we move on, today's show is sponsored by Augusta Precious Metals. They help retirement savers use gold IRAs to diversify and hedge against this crazy economy. Augusta is different. They don't push fear and doom like some gold IRA companies. They're all about compliance, transparency, and educating people to protect their retirement. Augusta has thousands of five star ratings and hundreds of great reviews. Their most famous customer, quarterback Joe Montana, loved the company's mission so much he's now their paid ambassador. Even Money Magazine says Augusta is the best gold IRA company. So don't get into a gold IRA nightmare. Protect your retirement savings with a reliable, transparent company. Get Augusta's free guide from their website. You can go to www.AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That is A-U-G-U-S-T-A PreciousMetals.com. A company that puts its money where its mouth is. Love it. Get the Augusta Precious Metals free gold IRA guide at www.AugustaPreciousMetals.com and do something now about protecting your retirement.
1: Damn. When is your book coming out?
3: Hopefully, early next year. The problem, of course, is uh, with the January sixth investigation and my non-involvement in it. The book n- has no ending; it never ends. So when <laughs> this is this is uh, almost surreal. When they raided Marlago, among the items they found uh, was a, a copy of my presidential pardon. There it is. Let me get that. Uh, see, see
1: it. I have a copy of that uh, too.
3: So, it turns out what this was, was a printed copy of my pardon that I ascribed to President Trump and gave to him, and he stuck in his desk drawer. It's not even an official document. It's a copy of the original document, which I assume is on file someplace at the Justice Department. But it was number one on the list of documents that were seized uh, at Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. So... um, The story kind of never ends i'm just waiting for it to end Uh, i was subpoenaed for the january 5th committee uh i fulfilled my legal obligations under the subpoena i appeared i invoked my fifth amendment rights no adam schiff that is not an admission of guilt no adam schiff you have no real evidence against me uh i've already been down this road where if you testify honestly it doesn't matter because they take something you say and they twist it into some kind of process crime so I invoke my fifth amendment right not because I've done anything wrong not because I know anything about illegal activity in fact I'll go a step further any claim uh that I knew about in advance participated in or condone any illegal action on January 6th is categorically false and if somebody other than a member of Congress wants to say it on the outside, I'll sue them. And they can produce evidence of it because the burden would be on them. You see, the thing about these members of Congress is they all have congressional immunity. So they can say mm-hmm. whatever they want. It doesn't have to be true. So uh, so Zoe Lofgren has lied about me on television. Zoe, this is simple. Waive your congressional immunity. Let's get into a federal courtroom and see who's telling the truth. She won't do that.
1: So, so you have to say that again. So, you have congressional immunity if you're in Congress.
3: Correct, and it doesn't and is not limited what you say on the floor. Some people believe, well, if you say it on the floor, if you say it in a committee member meeting, you have immunity. But if you say it uh, in a speech back in your district, you can be held. No, that's not true. They have absolute immunity. They can say whatever they want, and there are no legal. None. Oh yeah, uh, which I know that for a, a fact. Completely, completely unfair. Completely unfair. So, Let's face it. If that were not the case, Adams uh, Adam Schiff would have lawsuits. You know, <laughs> the door and yes, the he would.
2: <laughs> and I'd be one of them. Yep. <clears throat> my so my biggest question. Uh, I guess someone. Yeah. So my biggest question: what <sighs> What do you think it's going to take? To, because obviously the corruption is so, so bad, what do you think it's truly going to take to drain the swamp? To drain Because it's always it's the
3: FBI, CIA, DHS it's everyone You cannot uh, drain the swamp without the election of a chief executive who has that commitment. Uh, it's not going to do to uh, elect a Republican majority in the Senate and a Republican majority in the House unfortunately Uh, is not going to change things. In a a very odd way, I used to say this on my show regularly, winning the house by a slim majority is far better than winning by a giant majority. If we won by a giant majority right now uh, in both houses, Kevin McCarthy uh, and Mitch McConnell would be the driver's seat, and they are the swamp. They are part of the swamp. You would see no change whatsoever. Now, thanks to a a hardy band, a small but hardy band of dissidents, led by people like Matt Gates, uh, who's a true patriot. Yes, yes. Um, you, you do have leverage to uh, against uh, the deep state, against the swamp. But at the end of the day, we have to win a national election. Now, how do we do that? It's pretty simple. Uh, the way my mind works, having been through twelve presidential campaigns, is we have to be able to add two hundred seventy electoral votes. Well, you're, you will never carry Pennsylvania again. The Republicans in Pennsylvania gave you mail-in ballots. As long as you have mail-in ballots, uh, there are precincts in Philadelphia in which uh, more people will vote than are registered to vote again. Mm. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to have honest elections in Mich- Michigan either. So now you focus on where can we go? It has to be Arizona, Georgia, and North Carolina. Why do I say that? Well, you have a Republican majority in both houses uh, in those three states. Uh, and therefore, the, we, the people, can put enough pressure on the elected officials in those states to for election law reform. Uh, in
1: Roger? The, yep. i got to ask you the question, because you know go where ahead. I stand on this. <laughs> you can't outvote the machines.
3: Correct. The machines have got to vote. Go. Machines have got to go. This is absolutely clear. If they can count 34.8 million ballot paper ballots in France, of all places, we can do it here. If they can do it, we can certainly do it. Voting needs to be on one day, one day. Over voting's over when the polls close. No turning in ballots three days later. Some states six days later absentee ballot absolutely when you produce proof that you're too sick or infirm to get to the polling place or that you have an out of state business commitment that's inviolable then you should be allowed to absentee vote which by the way is the way it used to be in all 50 states no early voting no mail-in voting uh uh, election day voting one day paper ballots it it is the only way by the way we did it in this country for a hundred years say that it's impossible if the French can do it we can do it as long as we have, machines, yep. we have machines, the machines are always subject to manipulation quick story in 2016 when it appeared that Hillary Clinton was going to be elected president I wrote a piece an op-ed piece uh for the hill which then had different ownership uh and in it I made the case that a voting machine is really just a primitive computer and that they can be easily manipulated with the device that you can buy at best buy for 35 bucks uh and that they can be centrally uh, connected uh and that that therefore there was the danger of manipulation david brock and hillary clinton and all these people viciously attacked me for the idea that the machines were not pure. then after Donald Trump won and she lost, she <laughs> filed in Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, and Wisconsin. And in all three states, the hub of her argument was that the electronic voting machines had been manipulated. The same thing she had attacked me for saying. So if we cannot get to paper ballots, one day voting, absentee voting only with legitimate excuse... No mail in ballots, no early voting, and no mail in ballots, but then we're not going to win elections again.
1: And you got to have an ID.
3: Yeah. And you have to have, that goes without saying. And we still have that. We have a picture ID. But uh, just to go through my own experience here in Florida, I show up to vote. There's a man in line ahead of me. Uh, He gives his driver's license. They look at it. The woman looks at the computer says, uh, Well, Mr. Smith, you already voted this morning. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. You, you voted at 10 o'clock this morning. I haven't voted. Well, this is your address, correct? Yes, that's my address. No, you definitely voted this morning. He says, Let me ask you a question. Um, Ida Smith at the same address. Did she vote also? Oh, uh, yeah, she voted at the same time you did. Good. That's my mother. She's been dead for eight years. Welcome to the election law of the rolls here in the state of Florida, where we won big.
1: So, so we have sponsors that have been with us for a long time. This one has definitely been here a long time. This is AirMedCare Network. Today's podcast again sponsored by AirMedCare Network. If you live in a rural area that's hard to reach by road, if you travel a lot, if you even drive a lot, even if you don't drive a lot, this is good fire insurance. If you like to hike or spend time outdoors, you want to make sure your family's protected in a medical emergency if you ever need to be air medically transported with air med Care network. You're covered for as little as $85 a year. Your whole household will be covered in case you ever need to be air medically transported. Uh, simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily and you'll receive up to a $50 visa gift card when you sign up today. Now they also have an Amazon card, but we don't do business with Amazon here on this show. So please do not sign up for this and get the $50 Amazon gift card uh, because that is feeding the beast and we don't feed the beast. So get that $50 um, gift card and sign up. You can go up to, I think the five-year membership is like 300 bucks or something. But, uh, so it's even less. So it's $85 a year for your whole family. And then as you go up, it it, it actually reduces. So airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily.
3: The election rolls themselves are not clean. No. Defense, which is the great citizen group here, did phenomenal work where they took just those who voted by mail-in in the 2020 election, they took a subset of 25,000 of them and they went and attempted to knock on 25,000 doors. The problem is you couldn't find 25,000 doors to knock on. You could find about 20,000. Uh, and in those cases, that person did not exist. They died, they moved. In many cases, it was a vacant lot or undeveloped land. So, um, Governor Ron DeSantis won a tremendous victory, but the voting rolls in Florida are still dirty. In the case of Laura Loomer, I've seen the evidence myself. 5,000 mail in ballots were mailed out in Lake County. <laughs> By law, the carrier envelope must say, do not forward. They were returned to the Board of Elections in Lake County, and somebody cast those votes. Somebody in the process. Either a vendor or someone in the board of elections cast those votes. But Roger, election,
1: you, you, you wouldn't need to do that. You wouldn't need to do that because we're not talking about access to the ballots until you have a paper ballot audit. So up Great. until that point, you have ballot images. So you have no ability to get access to those ballots. Right, And the RLA, the risk limited audit that they've developed inside this system is designed to keep you away from it. So all I need to do is make sure that whatever you have on the paper that shows, excuse me, it shows up on the RLA or the ballot images from the cast records aligns with what I tell you that the outcome is. Now I do think that DeSantis interrupted their ability to commit fraud, but I still think they committed fraud. That's why you saw Miami yeah. turned, you saw Miami turn to Republican. hadn't, hadn't happened in over 30 years right? Yep. So, but we, we don't, and here's my problem. I am a system matter expert on system architecture. I wouldn't have gotten involved in this fight had Coomer just come forward and said, look, I cheated. If he had said, look, yeah, I did say that I was, it was, I was being bombacious. I was, you know, just, I didn't mean it. Then, then you can get to the bottom of what happened. All you have to do is tell the truth. I was on that call with Antifa and you know, I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. It was stupid, but you know, That's all he had to do. Because at that point, I've done my duty. I came forward. Now I dug into it. I find out that all of the machine companies are owned by the same PE firms. The ballot image companies have been acquired over the last six years by the same PE firms. Some of them foreign investors by countries such as uh, (laughs) um, uh, Poland, sorry, Russia, China, uh, places all all over the world. And so they own our election systems. If you look Just at the substructure, insane. if you look at the substructure of all of these systems, esns Smartmatic, uh, Smartmatic, ClearBallot, and Dominion, Roger, they all have the same code basis. They all leave and go to another company that is another black box, CITL. Cytle then goes to Edison. Edison goes to New York Times, Washington Times, all, all those things, right? So yep. we know for a fact we have enough evidence collectively and we squeeze it all together and we turn it on its side, make it a 4D object or 3D object, 4D object. And you go, here's all the fraud. This is, the machines are actually the, the loaded gun. And the ballots are the gas for the gun. And the Eric system, which is in nearly th- two-thirds, if not more, of the states around the country, develops this d- Develops this entire realm of, of opportunities, dead people, uh, you know, made up names subsect names yep. and we can solve all of this so easily i will go away i literally will go back to my life if you just did this if you make it this one word transparent yeah. Yep. everything you just said is all we have to do <coughs> that's it and we all go away and you know what we can
3: i i totally agree first of all you had massive fraud in florida in the primaries yep. uh and to his credit some of the uh, window dressing things that uh, uh that governor DeSantis put into place i think may have had a deleterious effect on those who would steal so we did away with ballot harvesting which believe me in miami-dade county was a cottage industry i mean there were people who made a living doing this uh and uh having uh, doing away with the uh, drop boxes uh putting in tough mandatory uh, penalties for those who voted illegally they all had some limited chilling effect on voter fraud but to believe that the Florida election had no voter fraud would be completely incorrect which means the republicans actually won bigger than we thought they did at the end of the day yeah. and by the way there was mass cheating in florida in 2020. Here's what they didn't count on. Trump was not supposed to do as well among Hispanic voters, all Hispanic voters in Miami-Dade than he did in 2020. So it wasn't just Cuban Americans who are traditionally Republican. It was also uh, Puerto Rican Americans where he did extraordinarily well, Venezuelan Americans, Mexican Americans who are habitually and uh, traditionally Democratic. So they didn't count on this. So put it another way, they cheated in 2020. They just didn't cheat enough. They underestimated (laughs) the votes they needed to steal, which is why Trump carried the state uh, as relatively easy as he did.
1: Yep. (laughs) So... So do you think we're going to get there? You think we're going to be able to get rid of the machines? We have enough evidence. We've got massive reports everywhere. We have, you know, even even the mathematical formulas for how they got there. We know it's a PID function. We know that they actually have a fixed outcome. They're not just stealing the president's election. They're stealing down ballot all the way down. I mean, it, it <clears throat> I just, you know, this is what I was talking about before. I'm, I'm at that place where I'm, I'm asking the question as we work the, work the problem. What's it going to take? what is it going to
3: take so i hate to to answer your question i have no choice can we find an honest judge that's the question we have the evidence
2: yeah
3: have the compelling case this is not some like crazy conspiracy theory look i have seen people in our own movement who say things to me like well i had a rally for my candidacy and a thousand people showed up and my opponent had a rally." and only 200 people showed up and there's proof that I won the election. We had voter fraud. Sorry. That's not how it works. Sorry. Just not how it works. Uh, And that's not evidence of fraud. So if you lost uh, and that's your evidence, well, you didn't lose. You probably you didn't. It wasn't stolen from you, you probably went out there and won. And I've seen people jump up and down and say voter fraud. But unlike Arizona, where the evidence is so incredibly overwhelming yeah. and convincing uh, some of our people who are new to politics think uh, that, a, that a campaign for office means you print a bunch of yard signs, you run around and talk to the same 2,000 activists uh, and you win. It does not work that way, it just doesn't. So uh, if you're going to claim election fraud and you're going to go into court. With claims of election fraud, when well, you better really have uh, more than sufficient, absolute, bulletproof evidence of fraud uh, to have any chance. But well, you also have to have a court, a judge, willing to hear and weigh the evidence. This is one of the great arguments that I have. We've reported all the time. Well, that was challenged in the courts and you lost. No, it was challenged yeah. in the and so the courts declined to hear the case that's not the same thing it's not even remotely the same thing but uh you know it is uh so uh, i've never seen in the 43 years i've been in american politics i've never seen a better candidate than kerry lake other than perhaps ronald reagan she's that good uh talented resilient entertaining beautiful Smart, combative, but but never with a snarl, always with a smile. Yep. She, that, that, that is political talent like I have never seen. I've seen a lot of candidates in my time. She also ran an excellent campaign. She spent her money wisely. She mm-hmm. ran a great campaign. Her opponent hid out in the basement. If you got a, good, got a good look at her, you see why she hid out in the basement. <laughs> She was was just not very appealing. I mean, in the modern age of modern communication, she was not an appealing candidate. But it didn't really matter because she didn't bother to campaign. Uh, And her whole attitude kind of told you from the beginning, she knew it was fixed from the beginning. Debate? Why should I debate? There's no reason why I should debate. It's already fixed. It's already cooked. That was so obvious. From the beginning. So uh, I'm praying that that litigation gets fairly heard and fairly adjudicated. Uh, You know, as a political strategist for 40 years, no matter what the question may be, I've always had a strategy in mind. You know, first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. I must say now, for the first time ever, I don't have a national strategy. Uh, there's a lot more faith involved in it. There's a lot more praying. about I know we're right. I know we have the facts, uh, but it was not always the case that all three branches of our government were politicized. Now, today, having been through what I've been through, particularly in the District of Columbia, uh, I realize that all three branches uh, of our government are completely politicized. Uh, and now you They're have- The the Brunson case going before the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm not an attorney. I don't know. Guys who are really, really smart attorneys tell me it's a great case. It's a compelling case. It's well put together. Other people I know who are smart attorneys tell me this case has no chance in hell of going anyplace. I don't know. I'm not an attorney, but hope springs eternal. uh, And I'm praying Uh, I didn't think Roe v. Wade would be overturned in my lifetime. I never saw that coming. If you'd ask me, I would have told you zero chance that's going to happen. Zero. But it happened. With Jesus Christ, all things are possible. Anything is possible. So, as Donald Trump would say, let's see what happens. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I think, crazy. You, and he's so calm about it. Go ahead. Sorry, Tig.
3: No, no I was just saying, this is the
2: whole thing is just its just mind-boggling. It's crazy what's going on. I,
1: I think it's, the pre- i think president trump is so calm about things he'll go that is unbelievable they they raided mar-a-lago and, I, and he goes this is this is an assault on on the american people and uh he just is calm about it there's a calmness with him that you just can't see very often given the amount of scrutiny that he's
3: under i think uh, it was the late attorney uh, roy Cohn. Just his name makes Democrats go crazy. Just makes them foam at the mouth. So you can always bring up <laughs> one upset a liberal. But that's who introduced me to Donald Trump. He once famously said Donald Trump has ice water in his veins. Now, as someone who has uh, over, you know, a 30 year period negotiated various compensation agreements with him, I can attest to that. Here's how it starts. You know, Roger, you think about it. You should really pay me to work for me. Because let's face it, you're going to get so many other clients. When the word is out on the street that you represent me, you're going to make a fortune. So you had to actually pay me. That's where it starts. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't end that way. But it <laughs> end that way. <laughs> and it
1: gets you all the way to the point where you're like, okay, let me get my checkbook out here.
3: I mean, He beats you down, he beats you down, he beats you down until you finally make a deal. But the the point is, people really don't understand how tough he is and how he lets so much of this uh, roll off his back. He's got uh, what appears to be a special counsel, the Justice Department, who are absolutely committed to putting him in prison (laughs) if they can fabricate some, some crime against him. Yeah, I guarantee you, to the extent that he sleeps and he doesn't sleep much. uh, And he's always been that way He's very nocturnal. Uh, I can think of times when I've worked with him and he calls you at one, two o'clock in the morning. He says, hey, what are you doing? That's how it starts. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, Sleeping Uh, so. uh, But um, he's he's a very tough individual. He's very, very stubborn. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, in the, in the sense that he's extraordinarily determined, but he's not programmable, uh, he's not scripted, he's not managed, and he's not handable. He, handleable. He's uh, very much his own man. He's also benefited over the years from uh, incredibly good luck. You can call it a divine intervention if you want, or you can just call it luck, but he's been extraordinarily lucky at every turn of his life. Uh, And I don't think God is finished with him yet. I really don't. I still think he has a a vitally important role to play. These days, particularly the last two weeks, just looking at the media assault at him across the board on everything, uh, you still look at his base of supporters, 45, 48, 42, somewhere in there. It's intense. They can say anything they want about him. They are not deserting Donald Trump. I'm in that camp. I'm in that camp. Yeah, he makes mistakes. He's mortal. He definitely makes mistakes. Yep. But I will be with him right to the end, and I think his greatest days of public service lie ahead. I really believe that.
1: Well, we're, we're almost out of time, but I have this clip that I want to play for you, and I want you to tell me what you think afterwards, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I have to, I have to play it because... <laughs> Go go ahead and play it
3: (laughs) My team here in Washington And Madam Speaker, I have to say My girls told me Tell this speaker How much we admire her It's couldn't tell my girls are Democrats. <laughs> oh, you know, God. It's kind of funny. Uh, Barack Obama once said, John Boehner is a person of color. It's just not a color found on the natural spectrum. <laughs> 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 a great line. There was an example of, of the uniparty at work. Folks... The Republican-Democrat thing is a Hegelian device uh, to put one over on us. There's only one party. It's the mm-hmm. incumbent one. It's the establishment party. There are individuals in the Republican Party. Rand Paul, uh, Matt Gates, uh, a handful, uh, Elise Stefanik, uh, a, a handful who just they happen to be Republicans, but they're Americans first, they're patriots first, they're conservative firsts. They're Christians first, they're, they're Republicans second. But beyond that, make no mistake about it, they're all in the same party. It's the Green Party. I don't mean green like the the, the Green Party in Deal. the States. I mean the party of money, the party of incumbency. No question. The power party. Uh, and I'll tell you what they like. They like war. They like endless foreign war because it's very, very profitable. They like centralized power. Uh, They want to control every aspect of your life. It's one part. And I say this, look, I'm a former young Republican national chairman. I grew up in the party of Goldwater and Reagan and Trump. Uh, And I have great affection for the party of Lincoln. But it, it has been taken over as both parties have been taken over by the neocons who are committed to war and profit and their own power by the way they don't even have an ideology they're not liberals they're not marxists although they'll use marxism if it benefits them it's really about elite control of the people to make money and to maintain power that's what we're up against it's a spiritual war it's not it's not republicans versus democrats it's not even conservatives versus liberals yeah, it's the insiders and the outsiders. Uh, it is a it is a fight between dark and light. It is a fight between evil and good. It is a fight between the godly the godless. And as I've said, if we lose, this nation will step off into a thousand years of darkness. Joe, thanks yep. for having me on, and God bless you.
1: Roger, thank you very thank you. much. Where can people find you? Sorry, go ahead, Tig.
2: No, it's good to be you, Roger. Appreciate it.
3: Uh, you can go to StoneZone.com to follow my exploits, everything I write, everything I, I record. Uh, if you want to help me in the ongoing 11 harassment lawsuits uh, filed against me by the deep state, uh, President Trump and I are now being sued together by some George Soros-funded group in which uh, three capitol hill police officers are the plaintiffs who claim that we endangered their life on january 6th you i wasn't enough with it you can go to stonedefensefund.com and if you want to tune into my daily show the best way to get there is to go to stone stonezone.live, stonezone.live. i also have a new Substack, uh which you can uh, go to i think it's uh rogerstone.substack.com, I believe, uh, where I'm going to be doing some proprietary stuff. You can't see any place else. A lot of history there. But uh, if you want to tune into the show, it's on just before Joe's show. It's on just before Conservative Daily uh, at frankspeech.com. The fastest way to get there is stonezone.live. Thanks again.
1: Hey, I want to pray for you before you go, if that's okay.
3: Let's do it. All right.
1: Father God, thank you for Roger Stone. Thank you for his commitment, his courage, the stamina of being able to stand in the gap and to take the punches that he's taken. Father, thank you for his tenacity and for his wisdom. Thank you for the 43 years of service, of helping those get those people in politics get elected who were virtuous. And that stood up for the dignity and and for the honor of the american people father i would just ask you to put a blessing of protection around roger and his wife i would ask you to heal his wife fully i would ask you to give them peace of mind and joy and to bless them financially but also to protect their heart and their minds that they may know that the american people are behind them and that they know that you are protecting them and you are there with them father i would just ask a special blessing on the american people i would ask you to forgive us for letting the the weeds grow up and the trees grow up on our land and not tending to tending to our environment and letting this evil creep into every part of our lives father i would just ask you to put it on our hearts that we would be reminded that this is about redemption that this is about restoration, to bring you back into our communities and bring you back into the most important parts of our society, back into our schools, back into our churches. Father, I would just ask you to help us to be able to restore you to the pulpit, to give courage to those, those pastors that stand up there and talk to us about where we should go and what we should do but accept the mores of society as they are. Father, I would just ask you to put it on their hearts that they may strengthen the backbone of men in our communities to stand up for what's right, to have the courage, have the commitment, and have the character to do what is right despite the consequences or the sacrifice that may be necessary for that restoration. Father, I would just ask you to protect our children. I would ask you to be with those that are in the people of brazil and father i would just ask you to help us break the back of this evil that we face father we are so grateful for the opportunity to be born at a time such as this and we just want to we just want to be able to walk the walk that will make you proud but also give us the opportunity to serve with faith we know the faith without works is dead and we're here father I ask for all these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Joe.
1: Brother, thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Great honor to be back on with you and uh, anytime.
1: All right. God bless you. Roger soon, everyone. You.
3: And uh oh. bottoms up. Oh. Bottoms <laughs> up. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Roger is probably one of my favorite people ever. He has so much class. I've never seen anyone get him out of his zone. And and you talked about Carrie Lake, she's one of those people too. You just can't get her yeah. you can't get her off. And and uh someone that that I respect said to me today. He goes, "Joe, it's 90/10. 90% is how you handle the situation and 10% is what actually happens." True. You yeah.
2: know, a long road.
1: It, <laughs> it, it is. A, it is a long road, but it's it's a road that I mean. Would you want to be born at any other time other than this?
2: I got to think of a couple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apollo, get in here for a second. I want I want everybody. Okay, so last night, guys, I was on RT News, and uh, I saw some liberal heads exploding over this one because biden was in africa and africa is a continent not a country just so you know he was at a conference summit in africa wasn't he apollo oh yes. boy yes yes and he was speaking bidenese
0: <laughs> oh, we
1: that. That, was,
0: that was great
1: and so i i went on rt so they said hey do you want to talk about what happened in in uh what, what you know, Biden said, in Africa. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because we go to different countries. Here's what we do. We walk in. We can't do it without the,
3: without the, uh, the African nations and the, the leaders.
1: And then he says, he called it Glovid-19, not COVID-19, and he corrected himself. And then he started making threats. And it was, cra- it was crazy. It, just how he talked was nuts. So they called and said, Joe, do you want to, comment on this what do you think I said dig yeah, yeah.
2: let's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do it yeah
1: um and so I did and it was pretty good huh it was great yeah and then the the government apparatus was like we hate this guy he just <laughs> this guy Joe this he's a Russian sympathist no I'm not I'm a people sympathist I sympathize for people. I have empathy for people because I see how bad this apparatus is towards the people, especially in, in Africa, yeah. but you want to play it? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. The millennium people definitely didn't like this one.
1: Ooh. Millennium project? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Jeffrey Sachs is like,
0: Rrr. all right, ready?
1: No economic activity of any kind happened in that environment. They failed miserably, but they said that they were going to solve it in a couple of years. Just give us six eight seven uh-huh. nine billion dollars. Let's play. It. Yeah. This is funny. And I started off, by the way, the fist pump was because the guy before it was talking, and he said something, I was like, I like this guy. And I was like, boom. And just as I did that, they went to me, and I was like, oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, he goes, He literally he goes, <laughs> what he said, and then they bring him in. So Joe's, uh, Joe's pumping it when he comes in. All right. Let's play it.
4: <laughs> Let's cross live now to our guest, Joe Altman. Welcome, host of the Conservative Daily Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So Biden has expressed the importance of Africa in resolving global problems. Why has there been this sudden increase in attention to the region coming from the US?
1: I think it has to do with the BRICS agreement. You know, the agreement that includes China and Russia, and uh, you know, much like the rhetoric they have in the United States, they're pressing that rhetoric across the the world. And I think uh, leaders from different countries have just woken up to the idea that (laughs) that the United States is just speaking a whole lot of nonsense. And so they're, I think they're afraid of what China and Russia are doing by creating a partnership. And, you know, I, I think that there's enough ceiling for everyone to be successful and to prosper. But I don't think that that's the goal of the Bi- Biden regime or, or these, uh, you know, radical people that have taken over the government establishment in the United States.
4: You mentioned BRICS. And doesn't this sudden interest in the region indicate the U.S.'s possible attempt to compete for influence in Africa with Russia and China with whom obviously African states already have a fairly strong historic relationship.
1: Well let's go back in time and look at what the U.S. has made promises over and over and over again in that region. They've, they've done this for decades and they've never delivered. So they've said we're going to give you aid. We're going to help you with with development. And those developments in large part I spent a lot of time in, in Africa and the Middle East those developments where China would come in and say hey we're gonna do something they always did it but the US never did and so I think that you know that right now those countries are looking for opportunities to grow and expand and to do well but the United States has just never had the ability to deliver on 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 their promises and I think that it's come home to roost and now the United States is paying for it and they just don't have any credibility
4: in the region we heard that go to accusations against Russia and China at the forum as well with beijing and moscow being accused of destabilizing the influence in the region will the us be able to exert a better influence given what you just mentioned the experience and consequences of say the libyan coup and the arab spring
1: well look at the libyan coup and also look at what they did in sudan look at what they did in in other uh, African nations and the the amount of interference and things that they've done in those regions, it's, it's like a bunch of school kids at a at a high school. It's always like they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, but they never look at themselves. They never look at the impact and the things that, not what they say, but what they actually do. So I, I think that they're gonna have very little effect and I think that the United States just does not have the same, um, it, it just doesn't have the same meaning as it did in the past where they had some sort of mores of society driven by uh, ethics and and driven by the truth and and frankly the United States just uh, they've they've lost sight of that. So I I think personally that we're seeing uh, what's happening in in Africa as something that's going to in large part happen around the world because people are tired of the US barking orders as if they're daddy.
4: Right. You mentioned this shift happening from unilateralism to multilateralism. China called on the U.S. to stop seeing Africa as a global arena of power struggle. Do you think Washington will actually heed that call at least this time?
1: No, I don't. I don't think that they they learn from their mistakes and they definitely don't learn from history. And the thing, the thing that saddens me is the fact that they're, they're doing things that do not benefit the people of Africa, and it's not as if we're pulling on both sides of a country and trying to, uh, to help them and say, okay, China's trying to help and the United States is trying to help and We're competing in that arena. The United States just sees them as, much like they do their own people in the United States, as, as slaves to be enslaved or to, to use as pawns in a game in order to create power or money.
4: I mean yeah well you just mentioned should shouldn't then africans be wary of u.s proposals giving that the clear focus is rather on economics and competition rather than a uh, need to solve their key problems on the continent
1: well let, let's go back to the jeffrey Sachs, the millennium project that they they worked on for nearly a decade right and they said that we're going to well all we need is like five or six billion dollars and we'll solve poverty in africa and that turned into to, a disaster. That was a, a project where they said that they were going to create this economic opportunity for people to have um, free access to food, and, and, and that, that there was no economic activity that happened in that environment at all. It was just a, a big slush fund for them to you know launder six, seven, eight billion dollars um, to uh, power brokers not just in the United States, but around the world. So they've never delivered on a project because that really is not the goal. The goal is to create chaos, and the opportunity in chaos favors the op, not the people. And that's just what the United States has historically done by using There's the, the intelligence apparatus as the thing that is is, is driving their uh, their their desires in the region.
4: Joe Altman, host of the Conservative Daily podcast. Thanks for the words.
1: Thanks. Take care. God bless you. <laughs> We're not their daddy. Last interview. Yeah. Nope. We're not their daddy. You know. So. Uh, you know I, they they oft, they often don't know what i'm going to say so i think they're They and i got a couple texts from friends of mine who are who are russian they're like ah we saw you why do you use the word daddy <laughs> 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 and, and i said well you know i i you know you ever heard the saying who's your daddy they're like no we know i know who my daddy is and i was like ah, i see i, I need to be a little bit more how would you say it uh more obvious what I'm trying to say. They don't we don't need well, to to adoptive parents, huh? What?
2: <laughs> well us, you are, but <laughs> so
1: obvious. Yeah. But. Well, I, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm incredibly uh uh grateful that we have the opportunity to have this show. I do want to tell everyone that uh Tig is gonna be joining us how often? Three times a week?
2: probably most likely
1: yeah and he will be a man of more words he's out actually down there in the springs <laughs> doing a bunch of work right now so
2: yeah well, I gotta, i'm gotta i looking at the clock i get i gotta hurry up and go because i got my kids at uh, christmas play
1: all right we'll get out of there hey we'll see you guys yeah, tomorrow sorry. at 10 a.m i will not be on doing this deposition <laughs> thing but uh you, you'll see tig and it is fun friday so apollo i have a feeling you guys are going to make it fun it's going to be good what?
0: it would be good. Hot. Hot.
2: (laughs) All right. God bless you. All right. Have a good one, guys.
0: If you want to watch Conservative Daily Podcast, we go live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, on Rumble, on Frank's Beach, where we go live on Lindell TV 2 at those same times, on DLive, and now on Odyssey.